this is this is why we this is why we come to church. This is why you're in the house of God today. Uh, maybe maybe today you're 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 new to church or you haven't been around church in a long time, and and you're like, man, what are, are the, what are these people on? What is this? What's happening? Um, I, I kind of when you, some, there's just moments you have where you just kind of wish you could bottle it. Uh, and like th th those last two songs, I wish I could just bottle that and and just just kind of like. Uh, but what's interesting about moments like that is they they are there and, and then they're gone. Like you can't. This is why we gather. This is why we are here. This is why you're in the house. Come on, turn to somebody. And tell them this is why you're in the house. This is why you're you're here for for moments where the Holy Spirit shows up and and He wants to speak to you and. Uh, maybe today it's just uh, it's different for me today than maybe it is for you. Today's pretty personal, real personal, like really, really personal. Um, so most of you know that uh, I haven't always been a preacher. I, I cut my teeth in radio and did morning shows forever, and that's what brought Laura and I to Tulsa. And over 25 years ago, I was working at a station and I was doing a morning show. And uh, I really, really love Jesus. And I had an amazing life. And I had seen grace and mercy change me. And I wanted that so desperately for every one of my coworkers. Because uh, when you're in the radio industry, probably a lot maybe like your work, but in the radio industry especially, there's just, there's, it's, it's can be very dark. Um, there's a lot of just stuff. You see a lot of stuff. But God put me in that, that dark place. He puts you in that dark place. Don't reject the dark places you are. I'm telling you, stop praying that God would take you out of that job because nobody around you follows Jesus. Wake up. He's got you there to be the light in the dark world. And, and I, uh, I, I just, everybody's like, Brad, you just, I, I took a lot of crap for it over the years of, uh, didn't I? Like, for, why do you not work for a Christian radio station, Brad? You're working for the secular one. Because I want to be in the dark places. And I want to reach people who don't know Jesus. So we, we talk all the time about taking the hope, healing, peace, and purpose of Jesus out into our world. And I want you to know that when I say that every week, I, I'm not just spouting that. I'm, I'm, I'm living that. And I hope you're living that. Because I, I know what we got. Like, I, I, I know what we're experiencing. And I'm like, this room is not full enough. You know what I mean? There's 100,000 people in Broken Arrow alone. 60,000 of them, conservatively speaking, 60,000 people woke up today without hope, without healing, without peace, without purpose, and they're mowing their lawn. They're going to a birthday party. They're out on a field somewhere thinking, oh, this is where it's at. This is where I'm going to find it. 
So I, I just would try to just share Jesus. You know, I, I say often that we're missionaries on mission, assigned to a mission field. The preacher is not the one on the stage, it's all of us. Come on, turn to somebody, tell them you're a preacher. Come on, you're a preacher, you're a preacher. Uh, you're like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. So, um, so I'm sharing, um, and I'm not walking around like to all my coworkers going, if you were to die today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? Don't do that. Uh, please don't do that. For the, for the sake of the rest of us, please don't do that. I, I just cared about them. I wanted good for them. So the guy came on the air after me. His name was Jerry. And I just started talking with Jerry, and he was going through some difficult times. And we began to, he began to talk to me, be more open to me. And I began to share with him uh, that what Jesus had done in my life. And then eventually, after some time, um, I invited him to come to church. He wasn't here. This church didn't even exist. <laughs> And he did, he came to church and he committed his life to Jesus. And what I didn't know though, and what you don't realize is that you're, you're not just planting seeds to bring about a harvest today, but you're planting seeds for a harvest that might not come for 25 years. Because today that baptism we did, Braylon, that's his, that's his granddaughter. That's his grand. That, that that's his. That's his granddaughter. Like I'm sitting down there. I'm just like, is I think Jerry's here. Did Jerry make it? He make, oh, you're bald now. I didn't even recognize you, man. Hey, bald. So raise your hand. Let everybody see you. This is Jerry right here. Right. Oh man, what a great day, buddy. What a great day. What a journey. What a crazy journey. All right, but that's why you're planting seeds. That's why you're, you're sharing, because uh, I don't want that just for me. I want you to have moments like that. You know, point to something and go, oh my goodness, are you kidding me? Think like 25 years from now, like think what's, what is 25 years from now? Like uh, 2050, 2060, 2055? <laughs> like you're gonna plant a seed at work tomorrow And that seed is gonna bring about a harvest in like 2055. Does that not blow your mind? That what we have, the power we have in this room, and it's not us, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit to change a life. But it starts with your life being changed. It starts with Jesus making, doing something in you. And when he does something in you, you're like, I can't keep this for myself. I, I want others to experience this and it's just, just go out tomorrow. Here's what I want you to do. Just get up tomorrow and say, God, use me. That sending prayer, we pray it every week, but just, man, just get to your knees and say, God, use me in some tangible way today. And then go to work, go to school, go to your campus, go out wherever you are and say, okay, who needs you? Because I'm here, God, and I'm available. And it might just be a kind word. It might just be a smile might be just recognizing or acknowledging somebody or, or, or it might be that somebody walks into your office or pulls you aside on the work site and says, hey, um, I'm not doing very good. And you'll be able to go, oh, let me help you. Some of you have had that, haven't you? I mean, it's just, it's just amazing when God uses you that way. We do not save anyone, just so you know. 
And, uh, and this is a sermon and a sermon, but I think this is important. We've been talking about this a little bit. Um, staff or somebody were talking about this. You do not save anyone. Turn to somebody and tell them, you do not save anyone. Come on, tell them, you do not save anyone. That's the job of Jesus through the cross and the resurrection. In fact, you don't even have to share your faith. You don't have to share your faith. Nobody's going to hell because you don't share your faith. I don't know if you've heard that before or if you've thought that before. You don't have to share your faith. They're not going to go to hell because you don't. What kind, what kind of God would do that? Well, you know, it's, it's all on Bob over here. That's why you're not going to be with me for eternity. Blame Bob. Bob's over here going, I'm sorry, I didn't know, I didn't know. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not that way at all. That's jacked up. That's messed up. That's not how it works. But God wants to use you. And you, you will be held accountable for what you did with the faith that was imparted to you. You will and I will. We will stand before God one day and he will say, listen, I had some people I put you in front of. How did you do? That's what we will be held accountable for. But I think the best reason to share it is because it's the best thing in the world. There's nothing better than what we have. Father, thank you. Thank you for hope that we have in Jesus. Thank you for these songs that so eloquently express our hearts and our souls. Church, right now, um, just think about somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus. And if you don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus, just think about your co-workers. Think about your, the people on your campus. Think about the people that live in the apartment next to you or, or, or your neighbors across the street or to the left and to the right. Just God, and just God, use me. In some tangible way, would you would you use me? God, God, I commit, I commit to this, God. God, may you use us to help others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, stay standing. You've been standing a long time, but you're going to stand a little bit longer. We'll read some scripture together, okay? You're like, man, I'm ready to sit down. You sit down here in a moment. First Kings chapter 11. You got a Bible? Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 11. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, uh, Version is a great app. I encourage you to download that. Um, we use that for our daily devotions. If you don't get the daily devotion email, we send out an email. It's on social media, but we have a devotion that goes right along with the Sunday message. And just want to serve you and help you anyway, but that's a, that's a, that's a great app for you. Our, our word for the year is inconvenient faith. That convenient Christianity is the enemy of your soul. And we've been talking about our eight core practices all throughout 2022. We're looking at these eight practices because these are what help us to become devoted followers of Jesus. These are the, the practices that help us to grow. They don't save us. They're just a help. They're just a tool for us to be able to connect and become more like Jesus. But these eight practices, uh, we've kind of relabeled them because they're really inconvenient practices. And we're starting a new series today where we're talking about continual surrender. Inconvenient surrender is what I'm, I'm calling it. I believe that there's a surrender crisis in our world today. Nobody wants to surrender to anything, anybody, or anything right now. Anything that, that reeks or smells or looks or feels like authority, I want to be under it. Because I want to do my own thing, I want to make my own rules, I want to live my way. And the results are glaringly obvious. Chaos, confusion, pain, abuse, division, hatred, sexual confusion, I and mean, we see it everywhere. And the answer is Jesus. 
That's where you say amen. The answer is Jesus. Amen? Thank you. And so for this series, when we talk about surrender, uh, we're wrapping this around, I believe, three areas that I think um, we need right now. And they're found in 1 John chapter 2. And I want us to say this scripture together. This is our scripture and theme for this series. Let's say this. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. So today, I'm going to talk about surrendering the craving for pleasure. Surrendering the craving for pleasure. First Kings chapter 11. Each week, we're going to be looking at three different kings. These kings are all followed each other. There was King Saul, King David, and then there was King Solomon. We're looking today at, at King Solomon and his craving for pleasure. Chapter 11, I read out of the New Living Translation, says this in verse 1. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. Besides Pharaoh's daughter, he, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and other uh, among the uh, Hittites. And the Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you don't marry them. It's going to turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives. Woo! Holy smokes. Men, breathe. Wow. I mean, I've only got three women living in my house. I, and that's, that's work, people, I'm telling you. <laughs> love you, Mom. Love you, Aunt Mary. Love you, Laura. He also had 300 concubines because 700 wasn't enough. And, in fact, they did turn his heart away from the Lord. In Solomon's old age, they turned his heart to worship other gods instead of being completely faithful to the Lord his father, David, had been. Go down to verse 9. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. And it appeared to him twice. And he warned Solomon about worshiping other gods. But Solomon didn't listen to the Lord's command. So, so now the Lord said to him, since you have not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your servants. Father, now as we hear from your scripture, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, now you can get off those tired feet. This is, um, I was talking before service with somebody and they were telling me about a graduation and this is graduation season and so yesterday Laura and I, we got to go to uh, Joseph Blackstead's uh, graduation party that was held at his house. I love these things because when we go to them, moms, you pull out all the stops, you, uh, the, the food did not disappoint. It was amazing. And I love these little mini tours that Laura and I go on. And we have more to come. And I'm just telling you, moms, get ready. If we're coming to your house, the bar has been set high. Uh, I mean, there was food, there was pies, there was, uh, the dessert bar was insane. Pies and, 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 and cookies and, and chocolate-covered almonds, and, and I just, it was like, huh, where do I start? Where do I start? And have you ever looked upon a dessert bar and you're like, eh, eh, and then one calls your name? That craving, you're like, oh, man, I, that, you're all mine. Come here, come on, come on. What, what is your, uh, what's your kryptonite? 
What's, your, what's yours? I mean, every, every one of us has something maybe that's sweet that you go, this is the one when it's in front of me, I can't, I can't resist it. It gets me every time, okay? I want you to do this. just turn and share that with somebody real quick. What is the one thing that you crave sweet-wise and boom, it gets you? Turn and share that real quick. Okay, uh, Mike, just one. One. Mike's back there sharing like five. Stop. Stop. Mike's like, whoa, there's this one and this one and this one, and I really love this one. And when Nellie makes this, this is incredible. Mine is, uh, as you, most of you know, is, uh, is cinnamon and sugar. Anything with cinnamon and sugar on it, I am all in. And one of my favorites is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Oh, my goodness. That is not a breakfast cereal. That should be on the dessert aisle. That stuff, I mean, when you open it up and you can't, it's like chips. You just keep going. And recently they took it to a whole nother level. Have you seen this? They have recently come out with Cinnamon Toast Crunch Cinnadust. Oh, my goodness. You can sprinkle. It, it's, it's the cinnamon and sugar that, that they put on the cereal, and now you can sprinkle it on anything like toast and and rolls and pancakes and like salad and chicken. Sprinkle it in the bath, little. Take it straight. This stuff is amazing. I mean, it just, it, it, this is the one that, that gets me. We, we, all, we all have cravings, don't we? We all have them, and they're not horrible, but we all know that there's also unhealthy cravings that we can have. And we just read earlier where John calls this the cravings for, for physical pleasure. What's interesting is neuroscientists say that we have become addicted to dopamine. That's what's happening in our society right now. That, and dopamine is good. Because if you don't have dopamine, then you have no desire to do anything. And that is, anytime you have a desire for something, it's dopamine being released in your system, telling you to go do that. Given to you by God, by the way. He gave that, put that in your system. But what's happening in our culture today is we are dopamine addicted and all we're getting, we're getting so overloaded with dopamine that neuroscientists say that we, our bodies are actually starting to create less serotonin. And you need serotonin because serotonin is God-given because that's what helps you to live in the present. That's what helps you to appreciate what you have. But what they said is, uh, one of them said this, and they're labeling this generation pleasure seekers. That we are, we are pleasure seekers. And we all know that they're the obvious unhealthy cravings of um, the addiction to drugs and, and alcohol, uh, gambling, uh, pornography. But I, I would submit to you, too, that there are some unhealthy cravings that are a little, little bit more subtle, like your phone. Ding! You know that ding and the notification and it calls for you? Do you know what that is? That's a craving that is when you say, I, I, got, I got to check. I got to see who texted me. I got to see the email that came in. I got to check the social media to see who liked, who commented, who posted, what's happening. And, 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 you, ah, and you're sitting with people in conversation and you have your phone out like this and you can do this. what's happening. is It's an unhealthy craving and it, you're, you're longing for that dopamine release. You're looking for 
for that. It, it can happen in video games. Video games are fun. Phone is fun. Video games are great. But, but sometimes you're playing a video game and, and you're like, oh, but I got to get to the next level and I got to beat this or I got to beat this group of people in my gaming group and, and I stay up and I'm up till 2, 3, 4 in the morning and I got to get this it's done. I have this, 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 this craving or sometimes it's as simple as a, a streaming app. You know, or you like, you watch one show and then you got to watch another and then you... I got to watch another and I got to watch another. Or, or it's not even that. It's just that the, the streaming apps that are out there, you're like, wait, there's, oh, now I got to have Paramount TV and I, I got to have, oh, I don't have Apple TV. Everybody's talking about that show on Apple TV. I got to have Apple TV and Disney Plus. I got to have FOMO Plus and I got to have this one and that. Some of you right now are like, wait a minute, what's FOMO Plus? What is that one? I don't have that one. It's the fear of missing out app. It doesn't exist. I made it up. Because that's what it is. And, and so, so we have this unhealthy craving, and, and I think it raises some questions when we start thinking this. One is for some of you right now, you, you realize some of this, you know, um, and you're like, why am I doing this? Why do I feel that urge? Why, what's going on in me? Some of you, honestly, you'd be saying, it's a big deal. I mean, really, is it that, is it that big a deal? And I think the question that, that I really want us to kind of wrestle with is, what kind of effect is this having on my relationship with God? Because it does. Even when you don't realize it, this is what the enemy loves. He loves this, the craving for pleasure, because you don't even realize what it's doing in your relationship with God. Even with Solomon in this story, this is why we are talking about Solomon, you see the effects of an unhealthy craving for pleasure in his life. Look at verse 1. King Solomon loved many. Somebody say many. many. Come on, everybody say many. many. He loved many foreign women. He, he loved many drinks. He, he, he loved many uh, chips and salsa. He loved many streaming services. He loved to stay up late and play more and more. I mean, he loved many. What's your Many. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, you don't marry them because why? Say it with me. They will turn your hearts to their gods. Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. And in fact, say it with me, what? They did turn his heart away from the Lord. Write this down. The craving for pleasure, the craving for pleasure will turn my head before it turns my heart. The craving for pleasure will turn my head before it turns my heart. That's, that's what we see here with, with, with Solomon in this moment. Curiosity didn't just kill the cat. Curiosity killed the king. I mean, he ended up losing everything, and it all started with a glance. Because when, you, when your heart is empty... Your head will turn and look for different things to fill it. If, if you're struggling, feeling valued in life, you, you, might, you might turn to social media. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on there and I'm going to hopefully, hopefully post the right picture 
and hope, man, and hopefully I'll get enough likes and, and maybe somebody will comment on it. And then you look and you post a picture just like your friend posted, same kind of Mother's Day picture. They got 95 likes, you got 12 likes. It is this unhealthy craving that we have that maybe, maybe it's that you just feel, you feel down, you feel just discouraged and, oh, and I'm just tired of feeling like this. And so you, you, you turn to the fridge. Because you know when you go to, to the pantry and when you go to the freezer and you, you pull that out and, 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 and you, it, it, it just, now, now I, I feel a little bit better. Or maybe it's that you just, maybe you're stressed. You're overwhelmed and you're just, I just, just one drink. All I want to do is just take, take, take the edge off. Or maybe, maybe it's that you just don't feel affirmed. You don't feel affirmed by your spouse, or you don't feel affirmed by the, the opposite sex, and, and you're like, I, you, I need some affirmation, and so you, you turn to a screen, and you click on an image or on a website, because when you do that, it's not for anything sexual, really, but it's because when you watch that, it helps you to feel more like who you want to be, and to feel valued, and to feel affirmed through that. I want you to write this down. It's a simple statement, but it's so full of truth that only Christ can satisfy the craving of my soul. Only Christ can satisfy the craving of my soul. When you feel that urge to turn, you need to turn back to Jesus. I'm feeling this urge to check this, to do this, to go here, to lay this bet down on this table. I'm, I'm feeling that in that moment, you gotta, you gotta turn back. Solomon didn't do that. This, it's hard to understand and wrap my mind around Solomon. Solomon, if you're new to the scriptures, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. Scripture tells us there was no one before him, there has been no one since him that was wiser than he was. He wrote an entire book of wisdom, but he didn't take his own advice. I, I, one of my practices every day is to, is to read a proverb. And I just, whatever day of the week it is, or the month, uh, date of the month on the calendar, that's the proverb I read. So last week I was reading uh, Proverbs chapter uh, Proverbs chapter 7, and in Proverbs chapter 7, it's, it's kind of ironic that, that Solomon actually talked about this very thing that he's struggling with now as an old man. So he wrote this when he was a younger man, and he said this, uh, he said in, in chapter 7, while I was at the window of my house looking through the curtain, I saw some naive young men, and one of them in particular, who lacked common sense. Uh, so he was crossing the street near the house of an immoral woman, strolling down the path by her house. Let me ask you this. Where have you crossed the street? What is, it, what is the craving that's causing you to get off the path of righteousness, the path of Christ, and jet over and just get a little bit close to the house of this, because this is what I, I'm not going to do this. And, and you're crossing the street. This guy crosses the street and says it was twilight in the evening, a deep darkness. The, the woman approached him seductively dressed and sly of heart. Isn't that the craving for pleasure right there? It is so seductive. That's why you want to do it. 
Don't, don't think for a moment that I'm a pastor and I wear a super pastor cape and I'm never, ever prone to the pleasures of this life. Are you kidding me? You know what mine is right now? YouTube. YouTube. Like, what happened to me? I'm like, I just got, I'm going to find the perfect video. And I keep scrolling and keep going and I'm going to watch it. And, 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 and I cross the street and, and, I, and I'm lured in and it's taking me away from the true place where, I, where my craving can be satisfied only in Christ. And, and it causes you to move over into things that are incredibly unhealthy for you and things that are, are a little more... Subtle. Says so she was brash, she was the rebellious type, never content to stay home. And this is this is this is him writing. Solomon. So so she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. That is what pleasure will do, whatever it is. The words, it can come from other people. You know, if you do this, if your kids are doing this, if you enroll in this then you'll finally be satisfied. And he followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. Let that sink in for just a moment. So listen to me, my sons. Pay attention to my words. Like as a young dad, he's begging his kids don't let your heart stray toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. Stay on the, the right side of the road. Her house is the road to the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. Solomon became the naive old man. He wasn't even taking his own advice. He crossed the street. He, how does this happen? He became the ox that was led to the slaughter, the very one that he wrote about. How does this happen? This is how I think it happens, because knowledge, knowledge can make you naive. If you are a mature believer in Christ, you are probably the most vulnerable person in the room, because you're the one who says, well, I know. I mean, I know the scriptures, I, I know what the Bible says, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and I, I know right from wrong, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, this spring, I was walking in the uh, greenbelt behind our house, and I noticed on some of the trees that it, it had these webworms. Don't you hate those things? You know what I'm talking about? It's these webs that you see in trees. And if you don't know... Those webs are full of caterpillars, worms, and they love to eat trees. And when I saw that, I thought, oh, no. And I went back to my house, and I looked at all the trees in my yard, and I said, oh, whew, I'm good. There's none in our yard. And then they hatched. And there weren't a few of them. There were hundreds of them. And anybody remember the... The brisk wind we had a couple of weeks ago. Hey, remember that? It blew hundreds of them into my backyard. They were everywhere. At one point, Aunt Mary screamed, Ah, I've got two of them in my hair. I said, hey, squish them. It's like gel. Just get it worked in there. It's like a really good conditioner. 
whenever you, you let unhealthy cravings camp next door, it, it, it's only a matter of time before, before they move in. You can't let them camp next door. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't let them camp. Don't, don't, let, them, don't let them camp there. Solomon, look at verse 2. Yet Solomon what? Yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He, like, he's like, I know. I know what you said. I know what I've written down. But, but this is what I'm going to do. How does that happen? I'll tell you how that happens. Write this down. Craving will demand devotion. It is not content. Craving will demand devotion. Think about this. Solomon goes from building a temple for God. That's what he does. He builds a temple for God. He goes from that to building a temple to, to other gods. He goes from being fully devoted to following God to, to what is this that he went to being fully devoted to following other gods? That's what happens when you trade your passion for Christ for the passions of this world. It, it will turn your heart. I, I've seen this rear its ugly head during this last couple of years of this pandemic we've gone through. As we, we've all seen it as people have just fallen away. You, you ever ask yourself, like, where? You, you ask yourself at times, like, where'd they go? They used to be so involved. Like they were here, they served, they were in a core group, they were, they, 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 they were in, they would love Jesus, and there was no question of that. And then all of a sudden, boom, man, this pandemic, man, it just took them out. No, it didn't. The pandemic didn't take out anybody. The pandemic didn't do it. The pandemic was simply the great revealer. Because when crisis strikes, it reveals what's in your heart. And like I said, sometimes knowledge is a curse because knowledge makes us naive. And we say, oh, you know what? I don't really need church. I mean, I'm good. I don't need people. I don't need, I need to be around. I, I, I get it. I, already, I know. I've, I've heard all the sermons and I, I've read all the scriptures. And so I, I'm good. But some of you know your heart right now is crying for certain people because you've watched as they have drifted from God. A slow drift that they don't even see coming. That's what's so crazy about it. Solomon did not wake up one day and suddenly go, you know what, I'm tired. I've worn out from building that temple. I've done the temple thing. I'm tired of it. Hey, I know what I'm going to do. Let's build another temple to another God. That sounds like a great idea. No, he didn't do that. It was, it was one wedding at a time. And it just slowly, over time, turned his heart until he crossed the road. Solomon insisted. One of the lies that we consistently tell ourselves is this, I, I, I've got it. I, I've got it under control. I can, I can stop any time I want. But the truth is you do not have it under control. It has you under control. Most of you know our uh, great Dane, Otis. He's such a great dog. Um, he's so much fun. But when we got him, uh, as a puppy, we did not realize the uh, rescue organization didn't tell us that he suffered from separation anxiety. I didn't even know that was a thing with dogs. I laughed about it until he destroyed every blind in our house. 
which is what Great Danes do because they're just that big. And, and one of the things that they do, a dog will do when they have separation anxiety is they will nuzzle your hand. So if you have your hand down like this, they'll come up every time and they'll they just nuzzle you. Anybody got a dog like that? You know what I mean? They'll nuzzle. They come up and they start nuzzling because they want you to pet them. Well, veterinarians and uh, dog trainers say when a dog with separation anxiety does that, do not reward them by petting them. Okay? Uh, and so Laura and I were like, all right. We're doing this. And we were, we were so diligent for a week and a half. Because <laughs> he would not relent. He just would not stop. And tell me, you can, can you resist that face? Can anybody? Look at that. You can't resist that face. And so I was like, oh, we just gave up. We gave in. We're like, all right, buddy. And we pet him every single time. And suddenly it dawned on me, we weren't training him. He had trained us. <laughs> this is what the craving for pleasure is like. It will subtly nuzzle you. Come on. You're like, no. Nope. Nope, not doing that. And it'll come back. Come on. Come on. And just beware because it is training you. It is training you and it is relentless. It is never satisfied and it will demand devotion. Saying earlier that in our culture right now, in our world, we just have this weird thought that, you know, hey, I'm free to make my own choices, my own decision. I live in the land of the free. No one's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to control me. I get to do what makes me happy. I'm in control. Can I tell you that is not freedom and you are not in control. You think that you're in control, but actually what is happening is you are slowly becoming enslaved to that very thing that promised you freedom. And I don't care if that is alcohol, drugs, pornography, your phone, or, or, or anything like food. I, it will keep at you until it owns you, and it will not let you go. And that's the great lie in our world today. You don't get to do whatever you want to do. If you ever hear somebody and you see that and they say, well, I get to make my own rules, I get to decide what I want to do, and you just don't laugh at them, but inside you can be like, oh, man, that is, wow. No, you don't because you're going to be controlled, eventually controlled. So who do you want to be controlled by? You want to be controlled by that or do you want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? I'm taking the Holy Spirit. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit because that's where the freedom is. The freedom is there. Not by the freedom comes there. That's what Jesus said in John 8, 34. He said, everyone. Come on, somebody say everyone. everyone. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, he's talking about you here. He's talking about you. This is you. Everyone means everyone. Jesus says, everyone who sins is what? Say it with me. A slave of sin everyone. No one is exempt. So if you find yourself right now in a, in a pattern and in a position where you just can't get free, everybody is either there or they have been there before. No one is exempt from that. But Jesus says in verse 36, if, if the Son, if, if Jesus sets you free, say it with me, you are truly free. Encourage somebody around you, tell them you are free. You are free. You are free. 
the Apostle Paul who came along after Jesus in Galatians chapter 5 and he wrote to that church, he talked about this battle that we have between our cravings for pleasure and, the cra and our spirit. It's this battle that is taking place for control and we're never free from that. And he said the only way to be free from that is through the cross of Christ. You put it to death through the cross of Christ. We put our sinful passions and desires to death through Jesus. That was the purpose of the cross. Only Christ can satisfy the craving of your soul. He conquered the cravings at the cross. And I can put it to death. I don't care what addiction you're dealing with. I don't care how strong that pull is for that craving. I don't care how many times that you stumbled over and over again. God's promise to us is that you can be free. He wants you free. So go back to Solomon's story in, in verse 11. The Lord said to him, since, since you've not kept my covenant and have disobeyed my decrees, say this with me. I will surely tear the kingdom away from you. Write this down. Craving comes with a cost. Craving comes with a cost. If you were to read later in the chapter, you would see that um, the prophet Ahijah took his cloak that he was wearing and he tore it. And he tore it into pieces to signify the, the, the tearing that would take place in in Solomon's kingdom. Have you, have you ever torn a, a shirt or a favorite shirt or a ladies a blouse or, or, or snagged a sweater on something, had it cat? Is that just, is that not frustrating? Especially if it's your favorite, you're like, you tear it and you're like, oh man. Or, or worse yet, have you ever had a thread that you, you look down and it's dangling and it's like, here, pull me, pull me. And you know, right? You reach down for the thread and and, and you'd first, when you see it, you go, I shouldn't do this. I should go get scissors. I shouldn't do this. And, and then you, but do you go get scissors? No, no. You, but you do the test pull, right? Just a little yank and, oh, you know, hopefully it'll just come right out. Have you ever had it where you pull on it? And you're like, uh-oh, that one's attached. I should go get the scissors. Oh. But you want to, what do you do? Do you go get scissors? No. You, what do you, wrap it? Like around your, and you, and if you, and then you yank on it, right? And you know what's crazy? I, I was prepping this, ser this, this sermon, writing this sermon, had already read, read this this week, and I was wearing this is a new shirt, and, and I was excited about it, and I looked down, and I had a thread. I had already written this. Oh, I should get scissors. You think I went and got scissors? No. No. Grabbed it. Oh, that one's attached. Wrapped it around my fingers and then yanked. And now it was this long. Broke it off and I'm like, wow. And now the seam here, you can't really see it, but it has come completely undone all the way around here. <laughs> my favorite shirt. This is what the cravings for pleasure will do. Just pull the strain. Just, just, just one time. Just this one. I mean, just you can just this just this time. And when you reach down and you pull on it, it 
everything can come unraveled in your life. Everything. And there's a, there's, there can be a big cost. For Solomon, it, it cost him the kingdom. It, 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 it might cost you your family. It might cost you your reputation. It might cost you your character. Sometimes it's going to cost you the subtle things, joy. Because it promises you joy, but it never brings that joy, and it leaves you longing for more joy. Or promises you peace, and, and so you go after it, and it gives you temporary peace, and it, but then you got to do it again, and you got you to do it, do it again. you got to keep pulling on that thread. you got to keep pulling on that thread and, until, until you are captured and enslaved by it. So what, what craving in your life has become unhealthy? What's your, uh, what's your sin of dust? What is it in your, your life that's causing you to cross the street? What's the, what's the thread? He's begging you to pull on it. When, when it. when it rears its ugly head, and it will, I just want you to remember these words we talked about tonight. And I want you to say them over and over again. Only Christ can satisfy the craving of my soul. When you go to reach for it, only Christ can satisfy the craving of my soul.